This is Two Minutes About Time with Luke Allen and Robert E. G. Black, the podcast that takes a look at the film About Time, two minutes at a time. I am Richard Curtis, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, you can just travel back in time two minutes and listen to something else. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Robert E. G. Black. Hello, hello. And with our special guest for this week, Sean German. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. So, Sean, to those who don't know who you are, who are you? <laughs> um, hi, my name is Sean. I'm a, a vertebrate. I have um, I have no external skeleton. All my bones are on the inside. And uh, I watch movies sometimes. And we were discussing before the show <laughs> that you debatably are the reason that we are both here today. Yep. Yes. Yeah, well, if not I, for Sean well, I, asking me to be on Groundhog Minute, I yeah, I, I suppose I would have gotten to podcasting eventually because I had already thought of it, but maybe not. Yeah, considering the amount of blogging you had done, it seems like a logical next step. But uh, yeah, so I, I covered the film Groundhog Day one minute at a time with a, a great co-host, Dave Palace, and we 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 found out that there was a gentleman who watched that that particular movie every day for a year and and wrote about yeah. it on the internet, and we reached out and said, "Will you be on our show about Groundhog Day?" And unfortunately, he agreed. <laughs> I mean, unfortunate for him, but it was very fortunate for us. He was a great, you know, great for yeah. our show. But, um, we then sucked Mr. Black into the world of podcasting. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's many movies under the bridge since then. Yeah. And I was saying before the show as well that the first movie by minute show I discovered was National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Well, it wasn't movie by minute, but, you know, of mm-hmm. that, under that umbrella. Was the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days, which I still think was a great idea for a show. And how many years ago was that now? I th- I think it'll be three years this Christmas. I believe that was twenty seventeen. Yeah. yeah. So I did I did Mean Girls like around the following September, and that was my first guest mm-hmm. spot. And then I did like Dave made a minute with you, Robert. I did. Mm-hmm. I think I was on an episode of Cosmic Geppetto. And what were the other stuff? The room I've minute. done social minute, the room minute, and and then lockdown happened, and I said to Robert, like, should we do about time? Because he'd talked about doing it, and I'd slowly persuaded him to let me co-host. And then, yeah. And then as soon as lockdown happened, I was like, there's more free time now, might as well, now, you know, more chance now than ever. And, I'm well, and, and as soon as we knew I was the co-host and you're the main, I get my notes get detailed, but you got to edit this stuff. And I'm like, I'm in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You get to sit down and talk for like three hours, two days a week. Yeah. I get to sit down and talk for three hours, two days a week and edit mm-hmm. and, and book guests. So Sh- Sh- Sean is essentially <laughs> the mother of this show. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just kind of weird to think that it's been, you know, two and a half years that I've been involved in movie by minute, I guess. Huh. Yeah. Strange. Um, so what were your first experiences, Sean, with the film About Time? Um, my, my first exposure to this film was, uh, learning that you were doing a podcast on this film. Huh. I, I don't know if I had heard about it before. I certainly didn't remember it and, and I hadn't seen it. So I, I come in knowing very little, um, and then saying, oh, well, if, if there's a podcast about it, then it must be worth watching. No one would talk about a movie that wasn't worth watching. So I watched it and then, um, was very interested and it, it, it ties into 
and Robert knows this, you know, the, the themes of time travel and, and what you learn when you can repeat or when you have to repeat certain events. So it ties into yep. Groundhog Day, a movie I've seen many times and, and spoke about at length. So there's some common themes and it's interesting. It's a different, it's a different take from, from the presentation. I might presume this is a romantic comedy, um, a, a genre of film that I have very little interest in and probably, um, contributed to my not having seen it or even remembered that it existed. The same sort of true at Groundhog Day. Yes. Yes. As it presents like a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. I think it's just because that's like, a, a definite audience that they know they can reach. You know, you make a romantic comedy and you've already got a guaranteed audience. So I guess it's, especially with Richard Curtis as well, like even though this debatably, although about love, is about family love and friendship equally as much as it's about romance. Like, if you've got the guy who made Notting Hill and Four Weddings and Love Actually making another film, then I guess it's just easier to go and take that same audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which maybe is why the boat that rock didn't seem to do so well, or pirate radio, as it's called in the states. Yes. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, it didn't do so well. I might, no, I might didn't. be wrong, but it's it de- it's definitely not up there with the others that he did. So I guess once he decides to reach this audience again, as with yesterday, you know, yesterday is still advertised as a romantic comedy, and there's so much more to it than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a challenge, and it's it's one I certainly would not relish. So I. I try to hold back the slings and arrows because yeah, many films that I'll see and things that, you know, see on a recommendation from a friend or a podcast or a friend who has a podcast that I would never have interest in based on the advertising and kind of think of like, well, how would I, how would I market that film to me and have no idea? Yeah. And it's, it, I think part of it is in terms of the way this movie presents itself or, or, the way my kind of my impression of what I expected coming in is the focus on the aspect of um, the aspect of life of the characters that the film focuses on thinking about. So, so Groundhog Day, the main character, Phil Connors, he's, he's stuck at work. He's, um, he's repeating the same day over and over again. And it happens to be a day when he's on a, a road trip, but he's basically on the job the whole time. Whereas this film, I think we see very little of, of the, of, of, of work. Yeah. I mean, we know that there's, there is an income stream. Tim is not independently wealthy and, um, it'll come up later this week. He talks about moving into a place that he can't afford, which is one of the few mentions of any kind of life outside of, outside of his family. So it's, um, I don't, and that doesn't necessarily make it more of a family film or more of a romantic comedy than, than Groundhog Day is, but um, again, just in terms of my what I kind of expected going in, I think that that colored my impression. But I I did enjoy the film, have, having watched it in preparation for the podcast. That's good because <laughs> last week we were joined by a very very cynical review, <laughs> which was brilliant but completely unexpected. I think because we've been waiting for ages. Like I was like, everyone who's come on loves this film, and then you and McIntosh who. I mean, I think part of his hatred for the film is the fact that Richard Curtis promised him a role in a in an upcoming project and then never cast him. And so, yeah, it was a it was a it was a fun thing here. So, so yeah, so this these minutes we've got the this the latter part of the dad's mm-hmm. speech at the wedding where he just says, "Proud to be the father of my son," 
before we have Aunt May and Harry. And I mean, there's probably not even really too much to say about the end of the dad's speech because that was all last week. Yeah. But I mean, Sean, what did you think of the dad's speech overall? It was good. It was, uh, it was, it was touching. Um, it was interesting. I was thinking about it that I don't think my father gave a speech at my wedding. I think it's, um, at least in the States, it's, it's a, a father of the bride type thing. Well, I think it's because the dad, he, the dad becomes the best mm-hmm. man. Yeah. I think that's, that's the reason yeah, why. Yeah, it comes really... at the, the long end of the repeated trials of we see different speeches. Um, yeah, I there think, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I think of, of the <laughs> advice from wedding crashers in terms of, you know, how to give a good toast at a wedding. You want to, you know, you want to be sincere. You don't want to go on too long. And I think he hits those marks. And it's Bill Nye being, you know, charmingly awkward as he usually is. So. Yeah, it is. It is good. And I, I do really like the speech as it, it what, what, what was it that Ewan said last week, Robert, about it? Cause it was just, did you say it was, it was like he went to a card shop and just read out all the different <laughs> yeah, inserts yeah. of all the cards? <laughs> it was just, I mean, and I he, guess. And he yeah, him loving BB King was too much, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we get Aunt May and Harry, and I, I do love this exchange here, where Aunt May comes up to him and says, I'm so sorry to disturb you, but I wonder if I could have your autograph? And he says, no, no, I'm at a wedding. I'm here to celebrate true love, not scribble my illegible signature onto stupid bits of paper that you can flog off on eBay that at the next, at the next wedding you can buy a less hideous hat. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, it is great that it just gets worse and worse as that sentence mm-hmm. goes on. It's just, so Tim says, I see you've met Aunt May. <laughs> and, and Harry says, people should wear name tags. Right. Th- this has always confused me. Everyone he meets at the wedding is going to be a close yeah, friend someone or who knows relation. Someone, yeah. So what 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 was he expecting? I, yeah, <laughs> I wondered if there was something like were they trying to like fix him up with Aunt May? It's like oh I've got you know I oh my aunt she's single you're single I think you'll hit it off she's a fan of yours and they were planning an introduction later Maybe. you know to, to explain mm. that why does he care. Why does it, the fact that this is Aunt May make it any better or worse than what he said? Apparently they did, they did film him dancing with Aunt May oh. and after, uh, afterwards and, and them sort of making out. So that makes sense. Right. <laughs> Though I think in the end, I think this is, this is, a, I mean, it's, it's not going to help buy a hat for the next wedding, but I think Aunt May's got a, a story that's way more interesting than, than an autograph. Mm. Though is, and I wondered about, like, is Harry famous? Yeah, he's a fairly famous playwright. Okay. I knew, I knew it was a playwright. Maybe I missed the point because I thought like this was like she's hitting on him. Like, oh, can you get my autograph? And then he saw, or can I get your autograph? And like as he's signing, she's like, oh, can you add a phone number to it? Like I thought, I thought the whole thing was a setup that, that she would ask for the autograph. And of course it's not going to happen after that kind of response, but (laughs) yeah, maybe we don't like his, his play does well. Mm But we don't get the impression that he's like a major household yeah. name celebrity. I mean, well, I, it, the posters on his wall are proper, like, program covers. Like, he's been doing big theaters regularly. So I think he's okay. well-known enough. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I thought, so, if it wasn't, if the if the autograph request wasn't a, a way of sort of introducing herself or hitting on Harry, 
then I kind of agreed with him that it's kind of, you know, it's a private event. It's, it's maybe a little bit inappropriate to kind of put someone yeah. on the spot. At yeah. least, at least get talking with him first and maybe ask at the yeah. end. Yeah. Like to just, and, and, yeah. Well, and that said, and then his response I thought was also over the top. I mean, he could have just said, no, this is, you know, we're here to celebrate true love and all that. And then he could have stopped just before you get to the, the hideous hat part. But then that's not how Harry. But would yeah, then be. it wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. He starts almost nice because he's like, "I'm at a wedding, for God's sake." He's just kind of annoyed, mm-hmm. and as I'm here to celebrate true love, not any like. There's a pause, and then everything after that is just me. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Scribble my illegible signature on stupid bits of paper." Like, everything's negative. But I mean, I think the, the the fact that he describes it as an illegible signature, <laughs> like the, you know, there is something towards him as well. Yeah. Like it, it's not that he's angry at her. It's Although he is, obviously, but it's yeah, the, the fact that he's commented on that as well, just just to sort of express the absurdity of the whole situation, really. Yeah. Although maybe this is, maybe she has no idea who he is, and she's having everyone. She's having. The, I don't know if they do this in the UK, but in in the states, often there'll be a program, a, a short pamphlet with the wedding that'll list if if people are giving speeches, it'll say like what music is being played and that sort of thing, and maybe a, a quote or or some sentiment of thanks from the the couple so maybe she's having the wedding program signed by everyone uh the way school children have everyone sign their yearbooks and it's nothing to do he's just like it was you know this is just one more signature to her and and then he blows up uh you know don't you know who i am and and she doesn't like the thing she's getting him to sign is a big card (laughs) yeah it's a it's a a congratulations card for the couple (laughs) i just think i well i I would go for that, but I think the word autograph has the right. Yeah. Well, it implies, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, I mean, it could still be, and she could be joking because people do that sometimes, don't they? You know, you write your autograph at the bottom of this form, and mm-hmm. I, yeah. In honesty, I don't know whether that's the way things work in the UK. I don't think I've been to a wedding in no. like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've been to a wedding in like seven years, so I would have been like. Nine-ish since my last wedding, so okay. I wasn't really paying attention. And, and no one asked for your autograph. <laughs> Not that I recall. I do remember at the um, reception of a wedding, afterwards seeing like it was in like a hotel or something, and there were there was this great mirror, and I realised that like I had a little little camera, and I realised that if I got the angle just right, the flash on the camera off the mirror would look like I was regenerating <laughs> in Doctor Who, and that, that that was my entertainment. It was me just taking pictures by this mirror, and yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, I, I love the exchange that we get between Desmond and Kit Kat yeah. afterwards. Like, because we do get the idea that they're quite close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's nice to actually see this. And it's not him being silly either. It's, it's just genuinely sweet. So he says, you next, Kittle Cattle. And, he's, and she says, I don't know, Uncle D. Boys aren't very nice. Oh. Aren't they, darling? Not in my experience. They're always taking liberties, not giving much back in return. Yeah, it's... Hmm. She, she's there with Jimmy. Yes, but well, as she finishes that line, though, we cut to Jimmy feeding cake to a waitress. So it's not going well. No, do you think they split at the wedding, <laughs> or do you think I don't know? Because the implication is that they are on and off quite a lot, right? Yeah, so they're about to be so off. I, so I guess Jimmy was close was close enough to the family that even if she and Jimmy had split up, they know him well enough for him to be invited to the wedding anyway. Yeah, probably. I mean, he was there at that Christmas. Although he wasn't having a very good time at the wedding. He's looked miserable the whole day. This is the only time he's happy when he's feeding cake to the waitress. 
Yeah, there, quite, well, there's one shot, I think, in the rain where he was smiling. But otherwise, yeah, he just looked miserable. I said, I still find it weird because I've only seen Tom Hughes in a couple of other things. And he's so different characters in them. Like, it's just... um, What was the main one? The main one was Victoria, where he played Prince Albert. So, I mean, that's a very, very different character. And then I think he was in the Ricky Gervais film Cemetery Junction, but I can't remember who he played in that. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so we've got the waitress says it's yummy, and Jimmy says, yeah, I like the way you say, and that's where our minute 76 finishes. Yeah, I mean, we don't see a lot of Jimmy, but when we do, it's generally not good. I don't like Jimmy. Well, it, it's interesting that up until this point, we wouldn't even know who Jimmy is. We don't know his name. Mm-hmm. We've heard his name, but we've never heard his name in a scene he's in. No, it's quite nice, really. It feels consistent, because they didn't need to, to insert him into all these scenes before right. we actually formally meet him. But there's something so real about it that we only see him in... I think we his his main introductions this week anyway, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. the first time he's really doing anything. Yeah. He had a couple lines at the New Year's party and then at the wedding. It's he the just only time around. he's really doing anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a, he's among the cast on the commentary on the Blu-ray. I might be wrong, but it's such a small role, really. For I mean, he's got more screen time than Charlotte. That's true. He's not <laughs> I doing think Margot much, Robbie but he's was on screen. <laughs> I think Margot Robbie was already too famous by the time they did the commentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's a few. Um, well, maybe not a few. Maybe at least two characters that it's sort of in the beginning. They're just in the group of young people, of peers of of Tim and Kit Kat, who are kind of around, and then. A couple of them become not major characters, but play a larger role in the film later on in, in Jimmy's movie. Well, yeah, Jay, Jay is at the New Year's party, but we don't know he's Jay until mm-hmm. he's in London. Right, right. Which is 20 minutes in. I'm, I'm not going to go and do it, but I'd be interested in comparison to those at the New Year's party to those at the wedding. Like, I assume we don't have, like, Polly at the wedding or anything, no, do we? No, no. <laughs> That would have been so nice. Or, or if like a girl had been at the New Year's party, that'd be good. <laughs> Is this what we're formally calling her now? We could call her five, I guess. Interestingly, we discussed last week the girl who's number eight. You know, the the full penetrative. Yeah, um, she's Richard Curtis's daughter. <laughs> when we look at Tim's backstory, to the fact that he's not really had any relationships before Mary, as far as we know. You know, Charlotte was his first love, and then later that, you know, within the next year he met Mary. So, those girls available to him at the time, and he slept with her. I don't know, it's just, it, it's just, does that feel almost out of sync with Tim's story? A little bit. Well, well someone no, because in a movie you don't want the character to be, like, a virgin unless it's part of the plot, you know. So we have to assume he did something with someone at mm-hmm. some point. And there is just a child. Yeah, and I, I get the feeling that that presentation is, if not complete, close to it. And we can see, as, as Robert said, so he's not a virgin, but he's not a Lothario. There's not, it's not a long list of dozens of scores of women. It is just a handful. So he's, he's in that in between. It's not too many to make him creepy, but it's not like, yeah, he's not a virgin. If we assume that Jay knows his love life, He's only been with two women at all, other than Mary. Really. Mm -hmm. I mean, been with, in quotes. Right. Tim doesn't seem like the sort of guy who'd share all these things with Jay, either. Like, I know that Jay's that sort of creep. Mm -hmm. Jay would know. Yeah. 
Jade interview the women Jay's afterwards. Jade's dodgy. He'd probably go <laughs> try to hit on them after they were done with Tim. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, we've talked probably more about last week. So, I mean, there's not much else in 76 really to no. discuss, is there? We could go straight into 77, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which opens with the line, Yummy. Yummy. And then we and get then that sad. wonderful piece of music. What's the correct pronunciation? Because I've never... Uh, it would be... Is it um, Spiegel and Spiegel? Or Spiegel and Spiegel? Or... It is a beautiful piece of music. It's very long, isn't it? <laughs> like the whole thing. Yeah. And it, whenever it is in a movie, it immediately makes me sad. I don't know Do when Do you know started. what the first one was? I know oh, the okay. first... I know the first... Well, I forget the title now. It took me a while to figure it out. There was a foreign film just like three, four years ago that used it at the end of the movie, like as the end credits start. And that was when I first knew the title of this music. The film I'm trying to think of is Foxtrot from 2017, directed by Samuel Mouse. And then when I hear it in like an older movie, I'm like, oh, okay, that's why this movie makes you feel a certain way. It's like, it's got that music. There's something about it that just, this music works for me. Oh, here we go. I found the, the complete list of the films featuring it. Yeah, I haven't seen that many of them. But weirdly and rather annoyingly, one of the things I do know it from is movie 43. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It is part of the only good part of movie 43, though, which is the machines they're full of kids. Yes, the best part of that movie. That's a that's a low bar. <laughs> See the... Yes. No, but the thing is, I, I genuinely think it's a really good sketch. It's just I wish the rest of the film was mm-hmm. like that. Who wrote that sketch? Does anyone have any idea? I'm not about to research it. I don't know. I don't know. This segment was written and directed by Jonathan Van Telligen. I've actually not seen this many things that that's featured it, then. I thought I'd seen it way more. But it appears it might only be those it's, two things. Well, they use it on TV as well. Um, the Good Place series finale, I was, emotionally, I was doing fine until like halfway through the episode they started doing with this music. The rest of the episode I was crying. I was like, okay, I'm done. I, I still haven't, I think I only watched a little bit of The Good Place, but it's, it's just genuinely surprising me looking at this and thinking, I'm sure I've heard it more. I mean, maybe it's not a full list. Um, but yeah, there we go. It was, it's 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 a great use of music and it's lovely and it, it does always surprise me when I'm listening to the soundtrack album as to just how long it goes on for. I mean it's good and you don't really notice it when you're just listening, but when I'm actually like, it, it's often one annoyingly that like I tend to if it, if if I'm listening to my music on my phone on shuffle, I probably skip it because it's like eight minutes long and I don't tend to have that attention span. I, I have a playlist just for like sad mellow music when i just want to relax and this is on there that i mean i can definitely see why it's a lovely piece of music and it's so subtle in this scene really on first viewing mm-hmm. it's it's nothing i i mean i forget if my note is this minute or next but um well we'll get to that i i think it has to do with something we've talked about many times with this movie where people like it better the second time mm. but i'll wait yeah. till we get there so Tim asks Mary, do you wish we'd picked another less wet day? She says, no, no, not for the world. Do you think that if she'd said yes, he would have done that? Yes. Yeah, he's he's thinking about it. And I've been thinking more and more about the fact that he's gone back and changed the best man, right? Um, And it's the fact that since he changed the best man to his dad, as far as we're aware, he hasn't... I mean, I, I assume he has the memory, the new memory... I don't know how it works, but it just it just seems odd that such an important day as his wedding, this version of Tim, as we know it, technically didn't experience that wedding. Well, no, I assume 
it's weird because with Kit Kat later, we know she remembers both versions of things. Or at least she immediately, like, right when they come back to the present, she knows both things. Maybe mm-hmm. she forgets the original. I don't know. With Tim, we're never really told. Well, he must remember what, at least what his experiences. Yeah, when he when he travels back to, he remembers perf- the old stuff to perform a certain task. Yeah, so he he remembers some but stuff. But like with the baby later, he should know by the time he gets home that the baby is not the baby if he remembers the new stuff. And so, right, it's can that one's the that's one that's not clear. It's just at least it seems to me that the wedding just being such an important day, it just seems odd that he didn't. As far as we're aware, I mean, maybe he did. When he went back in time and changed the best man, relive through the wedding as well. He may have. I mean, that's why he dramatically says few instead of, you know, he says it like it's a word. Because maybe he's exhausted. Maybe he's been through this whole day, what, four times. Oh, yeah, and we also had the question of exhaustion during the sex scene as well, didn't we? (laughs) As As to whether if his body didn't physically go through all these things, would he still feel exhaustion? I think the the body resets, but his, there's still mental exhaustion going through a wedding day. I assume I my, my wedding was not that complicated. I got married in Vegas, so <laughs> there were only five people in the room. But I, yeah, I, I do think he's. I, I don't know necessarily if he would. You know, I don't even guarantee that said. Oh, he he would go back and redo this if she says yes. I'd I'd rather we pick a less wet day, but. He's certainly thinking about it. And that's part of the problem is, so he's not, he's not there. He's think mentally, he's thinking about, he's thinking about what to fix. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Mary says, and so it begins lots and lots of types of days, fun. And then we go into our deleted scene, Mm -hmm. which looking at your notes, Robert, Mm -hmm. make me think that you've seen a different version to the one that I've seen. And that I've sent over to Sean. Oh, okay. So you you don't you don't have the setup at the start with no I getting ready to leave I didn't watch the video you in. sent. I watched the version from the thing I had before. Okay, then I think your version's shorter. Yeah, it's I mean it's not much. It's her her waters break and then they, she's got everything prepared. He says you need phone chargers and everything. Yeah, I think I've seen that before, but when I watched it today, it was the shorter version. Mm. I watched it on the Blu-ray anyway, and it took me a while to find it on the internet. Hence, it's the one with those subtitles on it or whatever (laughs) when i was doing my edited version of about time i wanted to add in the deleted scenes as well but i couldn't get them to a high enough quality as the rest of the film or without subtitles or captions and stuff so yeah but it can be a work it can be a work in progress really yeah just just watch the fan-made version of hellraiser uh four there's scenes in there that are just the drawn stills over under dialogue because they never filmed it properly but it just it doesn't matter when you're in the middle of the movie, it flows. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you, I can't remember what we did with the last deleted scene. Do we want to actually read through the dialogue or do we just talk about it? I don't think you need to read through the dialogue much on this one. It's got just, there's certain points that matter, like that he's trying to, these people are all getting their picture at the Abbey Road crosswalk. And I would point out though, this was filmed in July 2012 during the Olympics in London. So this, <laughs> this movie took over this intersection when tons of tourists were in London, and then they didn't even keep the scene, which is hilarious to me. Richard Curtis, though, on the DVD, in his little introduction before the deleted scenes, is so annoyed that they had to cut this. Mm. He didn't really say why they had to cut this. He just said, "We're annoyed. I'm annoyed that we had to, because it's one of his favorite scenes. Well, for I time, mean, I don't think it's it? necessary. I like, I like the cut with...
Spiegler Spiegel playing of going straight to a baby's foot and mm-hmm. like we jumped ahead. It's it didn't need a comedic moment here. Yeah, this is funny, but it wasn't necessary. Right. Yeah, and I did feel the jump from from wedding reception directly to baby's foot in the hospital was a, a jump of at least nine months, presuming Mary well, no, is already pregnant. It's not nine months. She is already pregnant. Oh, is she? They said that. They said we that when that? she met the parents. When he at the dinner, when he tells them they're getting married, he says, "And it's going to be soon because she's pregnant." Oh, that's right. That's right. So, so it right. must be really soon because you can't see that she's pregnant. So, what are we assuming that they plan the wedding out in like three or four months? Probably as soon as she found out she was pregnant, yeah. they went to meet the parents. I mean, it could have been just a couple. I mean, if they just you know the the, the wedding's at the house, so it's not. They don't have to book a venue or worry about availability. So then it's just catering and stuff. And of course, everyone's going to be there, even if they had other plans. So it could have been done in a couple of months. Okay. So it's not as much of a jump as I thought, but it still is a pretty, uh, I mean, I did make a note that it, that is a pretty jump, you know, a, yeah. it is a jump, jump between the months. wedding and, and a baby. But yeah, I don't, I, I think it's better than having this scene. It's a little, it's silly. And I know, like, I, I mean, that's, I, Gather that's the purpose, the silliness. Yeah. But it it felt it didn't match up with the tone of the rest of the film. It would almost have flowed better as the second pregnancy. Yeah, because then because that that's almost how I'd interpreted it first, but it didn't. Richard Curtis says that you you can sort of see the scars of this being removed in the film, like you know the the setup for it is when Mary at the start of the film says she has a bad temper. Mm. Well, and, and then they've they, already established the that he lived near Abbey Road before mm-hmm. yeah. with Harry. And then the payoff of it is at the third pregnancy. He says, you will not believe the detail to which I know the direction to the hospital. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's it, it it's fine because, once again, this is a film about life. Stuff happens outside of what we see on the screen. So when they reference that, I've never had a problem with it. If characters are talking about stuff that we don't see, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. True. There's a cool thing with this scene where you can watch it be filmed on YouTube, uh, there, where it's basically this whole sequence in one long take. I think because they did like film the whole thing with a camera and then switch for close-ups and stuff. But it's from like a CCTV like camera up above. I saw that that was and, there, and, and I haven't managed to watch it yet. It's it's all quiet. There's no sound to it, but it's kind of funny to see like Donald running and doing all this stuff in real time, basically. And Rachel walks up. The sidewalk waits for her cue because she's not in the shot yet, and then interacts with him, and it's pretty funny. And actually, we do get another use of Richard Curtis' bad language in this deleted scene. Oh, and it's a good because one. It is. I would. I'm part of me is wondering whether that extra f word would have pushed the boundary of our twelve rating in the UK. Uh, maybe. Hmm. That could be one of the many reasons why it's cut. I, I I'd know. say cut a different one though. Yeah. If you're gonna keep, if you, yeah. if you wanted this scene, because I love mm. that line. The best. Which we F-word. can't even say on this show because you'll bleep it. Yeah, well you can say it and True. we'll just bleep it. <laughs> the, just the more you say it, the more work you make for me. So. <laughs> the, the key to this scene is that by the time Tim is helping the third group of people do his photos, yeah. he's into it and he's like, yeah, let's do oh, it. He is. Can we go again? Like, yeah, yeah, why not? And then Mary walks up and says, what the fourfold f*** are you doing? <laughs> Which is wonderful. I think the best F word in the film is the mother, though. 
When? When she says she's, um, later on when, um, I mean, not as in the father. Oh, about the, the yeah, about the father, yeah. How furious, mm-hmm. she's so effing mm-hmm. furious. Yeah, it's just, I think that's, I genuinely, like, because I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not a big, massive fan of strong language in films unless it's, you know, required or suit to the plot, which Richard Curtis always seems to do anyway. But that is just, that's the way you do it. <laughs> it's what I find, it's all about when that comes up, but it's just, from a character like her, we know how angry she is and how she's trying to keep her happy face on as well. That it's just, it's so upsetting the way she delivers that. Yeah. But yeah, this whole, I'm just watching the CCTV thing while you're talking about it. It's fascinating, really. Yeah. So, yeah, so who, I'm not, someone uploaded this, I assume, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, as to who it was or what's happening. Mary's line about the, when she's about to be on her knees is great too. She's, a whole baby's coming out. <laughs> yeah. Not half a baby. No, no, the whole thing. See, I think for me that the her best line of the scene is when they're in the car, and she says, "You had one job." See, I didn't watch that part today, so I forgot. <laughs> yeah, so she's going over all the things that she's done in addition to well, and it's they and there's a nice flub. She says, "You know, carry this alien for nine years." Obviously, <laughs> it's only nine months, but it may feel like nine years. But she says, "You know, I." Um, she talks about you know. You know, the, the nappies and, and all the other preparations she's done and carrying this alien for, for nine years and you had one job uh, other than insemination, I think. Is <laughs> yeah. Other than insemination, you had one job, which is get her to the hospital, which he's, he's failing at. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. I might just briefly, I'm, I'm playing the, the, the Blu-ray with the subtitles on just to see if there is any interesting dialogue in the bits that Robert missed. Um, I didn't miss it. I skipped it. One of the bits that we you, you didn't have. I typed because yeah, that version of the deleted scenes you have is just weird. oh, the earlier part, yeah. <laughs> well, they, the deleted scene thing that we had before is multiple deleted scenes edited back together, and so the beginnings and ends of them get cut off. I don't know who did that, but yeah, this uh, this is the one that where a section got cut off in front of it. I like in the car how it starts with Mary being excited and Tim being panicked and how quickly it swaps. <laughs> like her, her screaming, asking to stop the car. Yeah, so I want to point out you just had one job. That what That's one. The buying of the baby clothes, I did. The packing of the bag, I did. The carrying of this alien in my stomach for nine years, I did. <laughs> I am so hot right now. Your one and only job, beside impregnation, was driving me to the hospital. Yeah, so Tim is not smooth because he could have played it <laughs> off when, when she, you know when she says, "Oh, you, you know, you know," she notices he's driving in the wrong direction. He could have just been, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, Abbey Road. It's going to be a madhouse. I'm, I'm taking the long way, but it's going to be faster. Just you know, close your eyes, try to breathe, trust me, and then quietly, you know, make a U-turn. I like how she says, "I will guide you." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just the way she reads it. It's just yeah. It's just like she's just. A, discovered that Tim is useless. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't have a car. So, he's not used to driving around. So yeah, so she says because I, I, I she says when it's getting really panicked, she says, "I think there's an actual head appearing between my legs right now." <laughs> and yeah, and you see how sort of annoyed she gets when Tim runs off to Interestingly though, that yeah, there aren't any fans on the road when the cars are stopped originally, are there? No. Like those few cars mm-hmm. could have could have got through if they were in any urgency. Do you think so? Do you think the people think that Tim's like hired by tourism to help them at this point? 
Because when he's I'm trying to imagine how busy it actually gets at this intersection. Because you think they'd have to have someone to control it if it's this ever this bad. Yeah, you'd think so. I have. I've been in London several times. I haven't done Abbey Road. I think I said when I went to the the Beatles shop, it was such late notice that uh, like such so little time that Abbey Road was like twenty minutes away, but we couldn't manage it. But I definitely want to go properly. But I do like how Tim like decides to get into that those people's photos and do do the photo and then take the shoes off and then suggest doing the twist and shout. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it she, she demanded the name of the hospital. That's a good one. <laughs> to prove he knows where he's going. Uh-huh. And he doesn't. And he doesn't. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's St. Mark or Paddington. Something. Yeah, and then he goes, and he's like, yeah, just one more. Can we go again? <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's like he's just forgotten for a yeah. minute. Because at first it kind of makes sense. Like when there's the group of there's like a group of three and he's like, all right, I'll just be Paul. Like, you know, it, it's not, it's just the way to get it over with as fast as possible. Like, okay, I'll be in the picture. That way it's four and, and we can do it. And then it, then he gets swept up and then it's like, well, no, you've got to take your shoes off because Paul wasn't wearing shoes. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and I still don't get why it isn't just that. I mean, did, did I miss the line? Why isn't just Tim taking the picture of those four rather than I don't think it's the fourth person. In. I think the guy taking the picture is some other random. <laughs> guy from nearby yeah see part of me is almost relieved that i didn't go to abbey road because it was just me and my dad so i'd imagine two people would be an even worse photo <laughs> you'd have to pull in two strangers and then you know, actually three because you'd need two people three, to fill out the group picture, and then yeah. someone has to take the picture yeah but i, 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 I would think they would have yeah you'd need someone directing traffic if they haven't closed down that intersection entirely and sort of a professional there taking pictures you know, mm. give a... Assuming from this that neither of you have done Abbey Road, though, no. either. No, I've, I've not. My parents weren't big Beatles fans. They were yeah. too old. So when we were in London, we didn't bother going anywhere near this. Yeah, where is it? Because I've been to London within the past decade. And actually, I am I mean, I enjoy the Beatles. It's good music, but obviously not a huge enough fan that I didn't even bother looking it up. I'm not even sure where it is. I wanted to. As I said, I went to the... Uh, I was there last... Um, couple of months ago like literally a few weeks before all lockdown happened mm-hmm. um for a for a film award ceremony that i was nominated for so i was only there for two days because i had the two days off school and it was like i think we had a couple of hours on the second day before we needed to go and catch the national express back and so it was like we could go to like one place so we did baker street because baker street has the beatles store and obviously 221b which was closed when we were there. So it's it's but, not far from St. Mary's Hospital, just saying. No. Although they're driving in the wrong direction if they're going there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's a 20-minute walk from Baker Street, so it's, I I, I think it's... It's north of the, Hyde more Park, of the outskirts, so it's like yeah, away from stuff. It's, yeah. South of Hyde Park is where everyone goes. There we go. You know the geography of my country better than <laughs> I do. Well, I'm looking at it on Google. Uh, ah, right okay. I'm relieved a little more, but, but I'm, I'm awful at geography. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's something which I'm increasingly noticing how bad I am at. But yeah, I think this is a, a it's a good deleted scene, but yeah, maybe it doesn't flow quite as well when it fits in. Well, we'll see how it fits in with your, uh, re-edit. Yeah, I'll need to add it in. So yeah, we, I mean, I guess we can talk about the baby foot. Yeah. That's our next thing. It's yeah, the foot so of a baby. A, it's a foot attached to a baby. Yeah, I think if it wasn't attached, there might have been some more issues with that. <laughs> Tim yeah. would definitely have to fix I think that. it was 
<laughs> I think it was a good decision on Richard Curtis's part to attach the foot to the baby. Mm-hmm. I think we respect that. It's a, you know, an artistic choice, let's say. And they point out, they point to, well, I guess it's in the, like, voiceover, but Tim mentions that it's a girl, as opposed to, we know, being a boy, the men in this family, it, there's a difference. Um, yeah. And I think it saves us from going to Time Traveler's Wife as well, because <laughs> Rachel McAdam and the Time Traveler were already at risk of being compared to it. So that's it. it so it's an, it's an interesting, um, probably another interesting movie there, if you have a couple where they're both they both have this similar ability, not necessarily um, arbitrary time travel, but where they can go back and relive and redo things. And there'd be the inevitable disagreements where one, mm-hmm. you know, one half of the couple thinks, oh, that, that went off swimmingly. And the other half is like, no, that was not right. We need to do that again. And then the other one goes, no, I liked it the way it was the first time. It kind of then I want back. it to be like, uh, uh, what, what's the couple's name? Uh, is his name Rory on Doctor Who? Yeah. Their, their last episode <laughs> were like that time in New York, you just couldn't travel there anymore because like it was a time travel spot that got traveled to too much. So they're just yeah. stuck. The time kind of wears thin after so many mm-hmm. trips. Yeah. <laughs> it is just kind of odd that that's a spot where some of these other big historical moments, I mean, I think if we think about Doctor Who too much, there's, there's issues. Well, the, the, it, the problem isn't that idea. it happens, it's that it only happens once. That's a problem yeah. Doctor Who has. It's these big things that should affect lots of other events. Only happen that one time it matters. Well, like, when we had, in Series 1, that amazing episode, Father's Day. Oh, yeah. Like, the Reapers who come and fix Yeah, we should time. see them all the time. I want them so much more. So it's a shame we don't get enough of them, but... Yeah, I mean, see, I think with, with Time Traveler's Wife, I mean, I don't know if and when you both last watched Time Traveler's Wife. When it came out. Have you at all, Sean? I have not seen it, no. Okay, it's not a massive spoiler that basically their daughter that they end up having can also travel in time, but she can control it better than the Time Traveler can. But yeah, I think maybe if if they'd had a boy and he could travel in time as well, it would have just been at risk because the... Uh, the proposal scene in this is similar to Time Traveler's Wife. It's already a Time Travel movie with Rachel McAdams. Like, anything more, it would have just been a Time Traveler's Wife UK ripoff. Um, it's fine. But better, obviously. <laughs> oh, obviously, yeah. Time Traveler's Wife is a beautiful, beautiful film, as is Midnight in Paris. But this is the best Rachel McAdams Time Travel film. Yeah, this one has a 7.8 IMDb. Time Traveler's Wife has a 7.1 about time Yeah, days. in your face, Time Traveler's Wife. What's Midnight in Paris? I'm checking. Look at that. Midnight in Paris has a 7.7 about time wins. Oh, yes. Well, I'm glad we settled that. <laughs> I had a chat with someone on Letterboxd when I talked about, uh, in my review of Time Traveler's Wife, they were like, yeah, but about time's better. And I was like, I know, I host a <laughs> podcast all about it. And he was like, gotta check out that podcast then. And it was like, here we go. Letterboxd is the way of, I think I should just leave different reviews on different films just to provoke comments about about time. See if I can find a way of, <laughs> of, of of making people want to talk about about time in every one of my reviews. It's like Shawshank Redemption, yeah, but about time's better. <laughs> I've only ever seen Shawshank once, actually. I need to watch it more. That was years ago, but that's a completely different conversation. Interestingly, they are all real babies and mothers in the background. <laughs> As in the mothers of their babies. It's not that they're... I'm not saying that they're fake babies. Or, or, <laughs> the babies are real, the mothers are fake. The mothers are actors. I've always thought that babies. weird. With these, with these scenes with newborn babies, 
I've always wondered about like how it goes about because they've got to be so young. Mm-hmm. The kind of film crew just turn up to a hospital and be like, "Hey, can we borrow your <laughs> borrow baby for an hour?" Like, yeah. I, I was assuming I mean, it was they like got to get all the mothers to sign off. But yeah, yeah. well, I assume for the and you've you've got extra babies in the background, but the like the featured baby, I figured it's you know a you know someone in the crew or you know someone attached to the film, and it's just hey, do you you know who here has a baby? Who can get? I normally baby? think that, but it has to be so young, doesn't it? Like it has to be who had a baby born in like the last week, right? Yeah, I mean this is let's see, who's this a is newborn a newborn is yeah. by the way played by well, I'm not, I don't want to be gendered here, but it's played by someone named Charlie. Could be a female, I don't know. Could be, or maybe Posey grows up to be male. We don't know. But the newborn was played by Charlie Barnes. I wonder if there's a Barnes on the film. Mm-hmm. Charlie Barnes is only credited in about time. Really didn't parlay this into. Uh... There are baby, baby, you need think. babies in lots of movies. Get some, use this in your reel, yeah. kid. So I feel like the the key line, that, you know, this part of the minute is, "No one can ever prepare you." Yeah. Um, and we get, I guess, it's getting into a little bit in the next minute into the the number of things that you are not prepared for. But I think the the overall message is you're not prepared. Robert, I hadn't even realized, once again, stealing your notes here, how long it's been since narration. Yeah. <laughs> it's... This is, this is minute 77. He hasn't narrated since minute 21. Wow. That is, yeah. Which with us talking about how consistent in previous episodes the narration yeah. is, it's kind of weird that we just don't realize. The only time I really missed it is when he met up with Charlotte, because I wanted to know what he's thinking about what's going on, but there's been a 50, what, 56 minutes? Mind you, when I was editing the whole about time cut together, narration was a pain. <laughs> Which, <laughs> when it cuts from in a way, it clips. fits though because his last narration was right before he met Mary, so it was right before his life changed and he starts living in the moment. Now narration comes in when there's another big change, as he has a kid. So mm-hmm. maybe it'll be consistent in that way, or maybe he's just going to talk for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I, I do love his narration, especially later on when when he loses his dad. Like, I hadn't really noticed it until I was, um, I mean, obviously I know the narration's there, but when I was rewatching the few scenes today while I was doing my edit, like, the way that he says the line towards the end of the film, some days you only want to live through once, or something like that, like, there is so much sadness in his voice that I'd never really acknowledged before, that it's just a good level of detail. Uh, we haven't really got that much else to say, have we, before we wrap up this Monday? Well, the baby's name is Posey, we haven't mentioned that. Get her name here. Good point. Um, it's it's a good name. Is it? It's I don't know if it, it, well, it's, uh, uh, whether it it's like right. a UK name to me. Yeah, no, right. It feels it feels like a modern baby name. Well, it's a it's a flower, you know. It's, it's a, a flower. Yeah, it's it's a flower name. But for some reason, Posy feels more like a British name. Maybe we just don't have posies in the US. The flower. Uh, where can the listeners find you on social media, Sean? Yeah, if you're looking for me, probably the best place is my website, which is catandshawn.org, C-A-T, catandshawn.org, and then I link to all my, you know, we were talking to about, or earlier we talked about some of the other podcasts I've done, so I link to my podcast and guest appearances and a whole bunch of other stuff, so catandshawn.org, check that out. And Robert, what about you? Lemmingdrops.com or on social media, Robert E.G. Black. The listeners can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero, on Instagram at Ginger Luke, on Facebook at Luke Allen Film. All podcast, radio appearances, short films, newspaper articles, anything I'm remotely involved in is probably at LukeAllen.co.uk. 
And this show is on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Two Men's About Time. They can also join our Facebook group, The Covered, where we discuss all things about time, this podcast and anything in between. Today's goodbye, as always, is from a random article I found of interesting ways to say goodbye. And today, um, this is a... I don't even know how to pronounce that word. We won't go that do it. One. Do it. Um, <laughs> okay. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have said that out loud. I'm late for my bus. Gigantopithecus. I don't know what that means. <laughs> now I'm going to have to copy and paste it to check. It's not a horribly offensive word. No, it's a it's <laughs> a <laughs> anthropological thing. Gigantopithecus. That's uh-huh. so weird. We go. Going late for a rhyme bus, for it though, because it, it doesn't really rhyme with bus. No, that's why it caught my attention, because it didn't look like a rhyme to me. It just looked like, eh? Um, but there we go. That's that's the end of this Monday. <laughs> the Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme, originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. <laughs> <laughs>